Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined as always by Alex and Ryan as Everton fall 2-0 at the London Stadium against David Moyes and West Ham in what some had dubbed the El Sacco. The board, Kevin Thelwell and Farhad Moshiri were all in attendance today. Shockingly, not scared to go to an away fixture, interestingly, in London. And we're uh, treated to a truly dismal 90 minutes of football. After that, it has now been 113 days since Everton last won a game. But who's counting, guys? Who's counting? It is the lowest of the low. Morale is below the floor. And we are going to discuss briefly the match before getting into what the heck are we going to do here? What do we approach the remainder of the January transfer window with? We have a couple of rumors to hit on the backside. Before we get into all of it, just a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Would Appreciate that a lot. Follow us on social media at USA Toffee Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And last but not least, join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. All right, guys, let's do it. We go again as we do on this show, and we start with instant match reactions. Over to you, Alex Johnson. I've got Jaden Sherman at Mr. Shermanator 8. He said, Wish I could say I was surprised by this performance, but it's the same mess we've seen all season disorganized, terrible defending, and toothless in front of goal. Really hope Thelwell picks the manager. And I think uh, I think my, my, my main takeaway was I, I was also not surprised by the performance based on the lineup that came out. And I think uh, some of our score predictions in a little bit will support that too. Yeah, I went with Damon W. Hawkins, who said, I am out of new ways to express how absurd this football club is at all levels. And uh, that hits the nail on the head. We've been doing this show Feels like Groundhog Day after every single loss. Similar to your comment, Alex, I mean, the disorganization, the ineptitude in all areas of the pitch, just beggars belief. It is a complete disgrace. And uh, there's a reason we are currently 19th and uh, seems like things are only getting worse on the pitch as far as performances go. Ryan, your instant reaction. I went with the conductor of the optimism train, none other than King Khan 225, Sean Khan. Um, not mad at Frank, but his time is up. There's enough quality on this team with some possible incomings, plus Dan Juma to steady the ship. Thelwell needs to make the managerial appointment. Tedesco, he puts in parentheses, he would be an option. The board cannot, or hope is futile. Still am optimistic. Good results everywhere for us. Um, I'm actually starting to agree that there's maybe some better players on here that aren't being used uh, properly. Um, a little bit. I mean, I've seen some sort of evolution of some of these players. Um, and I can't help that if they're put in a little better positions to succeed, we would see more success. But this next manager has to be really, really good. Um, I just don't have a lot of faith that Thelwell will make that decision. But we'll get to who's really making that decisions in a second. Yeah, we had a ton of score predictions right, James, didn't we? Morale is low. We've been seeing more and more people predicting losses. And at this point, how how can you not? I mean, I predicted a draw, and I feel like a complete rube for even thinking that that was a possibility going into today. And I just want to give a quick shout out to Sean Kahn, because I think as conductor of the Everton Optimism Train, he probably has the hardest job in the entire world at this exact moment in time. As far as score predictions go, we had R. Lamb, A.A. Ron, NTX Blue, 1878, Suburban Guy, who pessimistically has now gotten three score predictions correct in a row. Um congratulations i guess adam persilly in second city st louisan who's also been in and around correct score predictions for uh, a few matches now so we wind it back 8 p.m eastern standard time 9 p.m eastern standard time before kickoff and the lineups drop west ham united ryan in and amongst everton as far as table position goes but perhaps the underlying numbers suggest they shouldn't be yeah, expect a goal differential for them on FB Ref is ninth. Uh, they're not that bad. They have some good players. Um, it was infuriating hearing the announcer continually say that Everton might be confused by their change in formation. Uh, they didn't play three center halves last match, but they did two matches ago. So this isn't some element of wizardry here, for heaven's sake. Um, yeah, the lineup's a little bit different. I mean, they brought Zuma in to play kind of that right center half. Dawson was there when they beat Brentford in the cup two matches ago. Um, and they drop Suchek, which I think is wise. I think that's a long time coming. He's way too slow in midfield for them. He's a giant tree. He's good on set pieces, and that's it. And Declan Rice and Paqueta's already not a lot of pace in there anyway, even though Rice is very good. Um, 
The only concern I have is looking at that lineup is you only got two men in midfield. Everton should have been able to dominate the midfield today if they're organized. Some of that happened, but not all the time. Uh, Bowen's their danger man. Ben Rama hadn't played, really hadn't started in two matches. He's back in. And Danny Ings, their new signing, magically they got him in before the deadline, and he's on the bench, uh, something that Everton continually fail to do. Um, I would love to know if that was Kevin Thelwell doing the negotiations this time or Bill. It's usually one or the other. Um, either way, it would have been very nice to have Dan Juma in there. We'll hit him in a little more detail later. Um Everton lineup had had a tweak or two, and we were missing some guys on the bench, but I mean, it wasn't totally foreign from what we put out there against Southampton. No, I mean, it was the exact same lineup other than Mina in for Godfrey, who picked up a knock during the last match, which was, um, you know, an announcement right before. In my opinion, it was a shocking choice from Frank to stay with the the same two wingbacks in Coleman and Mikalinko, especially in what I would perceive to be a 5-3-2 formation um, up front, you know. I think that's been, you know, the story for Frank Lampard throughout is he doesn't make changes. He's not really taking risks. And with the recent results, I don't understand how he could not put out, you know, a a team, a starting 11 that was a little bit more attack minded, especially, you know, when West Hammer are also not in a very good spot leading up to the match in the table, um, as well as in their, you know, in their results. I think that's fair. I mean, West Ham's not going to typically sit on the ball a lot. You've got to figure Everton has a chance to get on the ball often. So I think that that makes sense, Alex. I mean, there, there's not much to really argue there. And it did look like tactically we were defending mostly in a 5-3-2. Um, started out again a little more aggressive. Fullbacks were pushed high at times. Um, you know, times it almost looked like, like a 3-4-3, a Wobi would kind of jump forward and stuff. But it just wasn't organized. And again, Onana, we thought was sitting deep, but he wasn't really sometimes. Uh, they're not very well-defined roles in midfield. And and while it's good to have some freedom in there, it's like the anti-Marco Silva. It's good to have some freedom in there. The problem is when you don't have any structure, you can get hit on the counter. And uh, that's why you see so many Greg Burhalter type, Marco Silva type coaches that are really adherent to kind of four three threes and four two three ones and and very rigid in terms of making sure their players don't lose their position to prevent the counter. Uh Awobi again was on the right. Um I just I mean the guy it's just so painful to watch him over there because he's so limited. He, he can't cut at goal and just to watch him cross. We've talked about a million times how much better he is at crossing from the left even. I mean the percentages of his career are massively different. Um, and Mina at right center half on a cold day. Um, <laughs> I just, I mean, if you're going to expect that guy to now be your more active player, uh, what does that say about Connor Cody if he can't even play in that role? Um, you know, that's the thing. I mean, if he's in there, I just, there's nothing Everton can really do. They're kind of stuck in playing a certain way. And you knew he'd get stretched out at one point, And sure enough, we did. Um, Everton also, uh, another carry forward comment from the last two weeks now, right, James? It's, uh, talking down the right side again right do we have we figured out why we're doing this again still a mystery to me 40 percent of our attack came down the right as opposed to 26 percent down the left though after a few tries of us trying to go through Mikolenko wide uh it became maybe a little clearer why we kind of stray away from that side but i also i also felt like maybe it was it was kind of shifted that way after halftime when we made the subs and and awobi ended up kind of playing in that position as opposed to coleman um, yeah, that's true. And and Good Tom point. Davies as well was kind of on that side too. And and that's when we had the majority of the possession. Yeah, that's true. Because I feel like a lot of it was down the left through gray. But again, it was totally isolated. You know, Mikolinko would run wide. He'd get the ball. He can't dribble by anyone, nor can he run behind anyone. And it's not like West Ham had some incredibly athletic right back out there. And that, that's a, that's ultimately the problem with Mikolinko. And you know, if he, he can't beat someone via the dribble and he can't get by someone to run behind him. So what good is he? I mean, he almost feels more comfortable going in the half space, which is interesting, which is another way to play. I mean, Pep's done it before. A lot of people have done that. In fact, I read something the other day. It was really interesting kind of talk about how tough it is if you can get a fullback to move inside because now you've got to be omnidirectional. Uh, it's Pep was giving the speech. It's really interesting. I recommend people go check it out. I think I tweeted it out. It's just a different thing. But but look, I mean, the bottom line is we, we look toothless when we're getting into the final third. Uh, Alex, I agree with you. Uh, we made changes at half, which we'll get to in a second. 
Um, they maybe made a bit of a difference, although they got us too static. If that's how you felt and that was kind of your hunch going into the match, maybe you should have started off that way. You can always revert back. So I don't know what he's concerned about that we're going to get busted wide open. We've been busted wide open virtually every match. I mean, what else would be new? But let's before we get into the timeline and uh, get to really the big issues today, let's break for a second, get to our sponsors, and we will be right back. All right, we are back, folks, and let's get into the timeline. We're going to try to keep this semi-truncated, mostly because I think this was a really difficult match of football to watch, and there really aren't too many highlights to speak of, but the match kicks off, and Everton were very clearly looking to get on the ball to possess, to pass short a lot, short passes, going backwards, retaining possession, control the tempo. Um, looked decent, I guess, from the outset, but it, you could tell both teams were pretty nervous kicking this off. This is, game has huge implications for both team seasons. Um, and so it was a little cagey, um, definitely not a lot of over-aggressiveness, though we did try to press and come out the gates a little bit hot, maybe not quite to the extent we've seen in more recent matches. But in the first 25 minutes, 67.5% possession for us. We had the one shot, which was Yeri Mina skying it. West Ham had zero, and we had 89% passing. So kind of setting the stage for what could have maybe been a positive result. I had no problem with that either. I know people get really mad and say, well, they're not passing forward. It's possession that's pointless. Again, you know, I mean, we, we we can't defend. And when we have the ball, at least in this instance, is the short passes, I don't think are a bad thing. I mean, we've seen Brighton just pick people apart doing that. You know what I mean? It provides you some safety. I thought Onana looked very good on the ball at this point. And, and Awobi was playing on the right, so he's a little bit limited. But, you know, I I, I think you know, ultimately it just changed, you know, at one point. And, and we've seen this so many times this year where Everton start out in a very particular way. The other team adjusts and we just can't deal with it because it was a totally different situation after the 25th minute. You know what I mean? Like the game completely changed and was turned on its head. And the numbers indicate that as such. Yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, from 26 to half, West Ham had six shots to R1. I'm honestly surprised we even had one shot. Uh, I don't remember it, to be completely honest. 88% pass to R82. I bet um, you was the was it the Wobi shot that got deflected? Must have yep, been. That's exactly yep, what that it was. was the one. Okay. That was the one. Which is okay, a good so shot. Actually, actually the Alex, only is... the only notable shot of the match. Okay, I take yeah. that back. <laughs> only dispossessed once. Fifty one point eight percent possession. Obviously, um, you know they grabbed some goals too. It was it was a rough one uh, to close out the half. Yeah, I, I guess we can go through the goals, but I mean, there's just nothing new about these. It's it's like the same Painfully. issues every time. It's. So one of our passive defenders keeps everyone on sides and or someone makes a bad decision and an error. And, and that's what happened on the first goal, really. I mean, Cody doesn't step up. So he basically leaves everyone on. So you can just hoof it up there. Cody didn't step up. I, I know it's shocking, right? What was the stat I gave out there, too? First of all, it's hilarious. I got a tweet at me from cars. Uh, KXRS1878 underscore. I need to apologize to you. Tarkowski and Cody are indeed incredibly bad. I don't, I don't think I said that they were. I mean, I said Cody was pretty bad. Um, and I still maintain we're not going to pay the, the four million for him. Uh, I really questioned that move, but we we're a little desperate at the time. But anyway, the point is Cody steps back. Um, the tweet I sent out, I think there's something like 45 center halves in the Premier League that have played more than 800 minutes. And Cody's like the 44th in defensive duels. He's that passive. But the worst part is he's like 35th in duels one rate. So like you're you never engage in a duel and you don't win many of the ones that you engage in. Like and he's starting every match of the season, every match. And so so he leaves everyone on side here. He won't step up, which how can you press higher if you anyway, somehow the ball gets through. Mina goes up. I mean, Cody jumps and goes up for the ball, which is a big step in the right direction for him. Not that he's ever going to win anything in the air because we're the worst team in the air in the entire Premier League. Bowen comes out of nowhere, kind of finishes here. He's barely on thanks to Mikalinko's foot. Another one that drops back every time as well, covering for our other guys. I don't know what he's doing there is deep, deeper than everyone else, considering he's supposedly a wingback. And yeah, I mean, he's barely on, finishes. Great, we're down 1-0. And then next thing we know, the 41st minute, th- this one is is such a mentally bad play by Tarkowski. I don't know what to say. I mean, Awobi gets a little bit of sl- I mean. He was trying to make a play and he made a pass into someone. So, I mean, he deserves a little criticism here for trying to force the ball, although I think some of that's understandable. Um, 
but you can't predict the results of this one, right? And what is Tarkowski doing here? Can someone explain that to me, please? Going to ground that far from goal, just completely people unnecessary risk. Yeah. I mean, we talk about, you know, not engaging enough, but you also have to engage in the right moments. And that was certainly not the time to go to ground for a ridiculous tackle and take yourself completely out of the play. Well, what were the numbers I gave for Tarkowski, right? Tarkowski has been a lot more active in terms of duels, but he's like fourth worst in the league out of those 45 players in winning duels. So how does that help you? I mean, great that he's more active. I mean, to me, I think part of that's playing in that left center half role. Like he's, you know, to play that, you have to be aggressive and he's doing that. But if you're not winning the duels, then maybe you're not the right guy. Again, we got this guy in a free and I get it, but I just don't understand the logic behind it. I don't think he's really a whole lot better than guys like Holgate or Keen, at least in a back three. And if you didn't sell one of those guys, what the heck, what was the point of getting him? And, and that's a little bit of my concern. Maybe he's better in a two. Like if you put him and me in it together, maybe he got something. I don't think he's that bad. He's decent on the ball. But yeah, I mean, this is a terrible decision by him. And when you whiff on it, fine. And then we have another issue here where Onana and Onana does this a lot. If you've noticed, he doesn't sprint back as hard as he can. And it's happened several times this year. And part of that is probably tactics because in his career so far, short career, he's usually played with another defensive mid, which gives him a little freedom, which is what I would do too, because he's 21. And we can see how dangerous he could be going forward a little bit, running with the ball and, but he'll lose it sometimes. So to me, a nice two defensive mid pairing with Ghana kind of sitting behind him makes a lot of sense, but he doesn't run back hard. Mina, who never plays in a three, really is looking at Bowen, who again splits them both and buries it. And it's like just the indecision across the field. Part of that's the individuals. Part of they're not used to playing in a certain way, but part of that's tactical. And I, I, I I mean, I'm sorry. It just seems like people are unsure of their responsibilities and they're clearly not being drilled a lot. Yeah. And you think about this formation, right? I mean, when we watched Everton in preseason, this was what we went with. So this is sort of what they've in theory been working on. We obviously had to abandon it basically right out of the, the gate when we had the injuries in the first match of the season. But they've had months, not to mention the six week break for the World Cup to drill into this formation, the fact that they are still looking so disorganized and completely unsure of what to do in any given moment in different situations just speaks to the tactical or lack of tactical acumen from the coaching staff and from, from Frank, to me at least. Yeah, and look, um, at halftime, he made big changes, right? Alex, to your point before, he makes the change. He brings Davies and McNeil in. He moves Awobi to right wing back. Okay. I mean, he probably is our best white ring, white, right wing back at this point, sadly. Um, McNeil, you think he's going to be a crossing threat from the left side. We had a couple chances in the second half, but considering we had what 76.7% possession, we're out shot still five to three. And I just felt like it was an endless array of crosses, crosses. And what really bothers me is, and it was just constantly on the right side of Wobie and Mina playing around with the ball. What it bothers me is it's one thing to cross. If that's how you're intending to play, where is the movement inside? I mean, how many times did you see near post run? Almost never. And and so that's a debate. Is that the individuals? Do they not just understand that they need to vary their runs? Because I see in a lot of teams that play off the counter, you see the orchestration in practice. And they know like one route, two route, three route. First guy goes near post, second guy goes far post, second but You know what I mean? Like there's there's coordination and orchestration, and you saw none of that. In this instance, we've seen this a lot with Everton where we have the ball and control the ball in the final third, and we're toothless. So and you see other teams that are used to doing this, that there's clear design. Like I'm not expecting Frank to be Pep, but you look at Pep and Arteta. Like they know when to attack in the final third, and they have a plan to dominate the ball. And if I'm the other team, I'm going to let Everton have the ball all day. I mean, did you see any real threat there? I didn't. No, I mean, you know, and and I will say though, it was it was crazy how much different I think we looked, although not quite as threatening as we'd like. Um, in the second half, right after the subs, um, you know, 55 minutes in, Awobi had that really really nice kind of lowish cross. Um, right between, you know, the back line and the keeper, Fabianski couldn't reach it. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you know, came in sliding. He also couldn't reach it. Um, you know, a couple minutes later, you had a good shot by Ghana. But otherwise, through the second half, I mean, it was a lot of possession and a lot, you know, of of really nothingness from both sides. And we yeah, had I mean, control, you know what I mean? Like, had control. Right, we did. So, but um, they gave it to us. That doesn't right. really count. True. That's true. <laughs> And and how we've talked about the second half and how poorly typically we come out in relation to the first half. Well, we're down two goals, so you have to, you've no choice but to be more aggressive. If we had looked 
even remotely is like you can try to control the game via possession, but you're down too. So what's the point of just controlling? You really have to push the tempo. I do think the subs made an impact, but I think it was also like, guys, we got to score two at least. So let's get the ball rolling here. Let's get our rears in gear, so to speak. It's unbelievable to get out shot five to three. And there are some mistakes there. We could have had more shots. I mean, the quality was lacking, but 37 crosses, 37 crosses. And it didn't look like we were set up to cross. Like, you know what I mean? It just didn't seem... Awobi was 0 for 9. God, get him off the right side. Gray was 1 for 12. McNeil was 3 for 10. I mean, Yeri Nina led the team in shots with two. That's absolutely outrageous. Also with six tackles. I mean, at least he did his job. I mean, if, even if he was playing in the more aggressive outside, you know, center half. He, he must have been motivated by fans, you know, surrounding him and telling him that he needs to take take control, huh? Is that what kicked him into gear? <laughs> I mean, the fans make all decisions in this club anyway. I mean, we know that, right? Uh, Wobi had four tackles too. That was pretty interesting. And Nanush was good on the ball today for the most part too. Ninety four point nine percent passing. That's tremendous. And he had some pressure on him at times too. Uh, Mina was right behind him at almost ninety four percent. So we had some control at times, but it didn't really result into much. Um, you could argue is that quality? Is that tactics? Probably a little bit of both. Um, the summary is wow. I mean, it's just. I don't know what to say here. I mean, it's a one sided match. They had eleven shots, and they had. According to Mark Stats bot, 2.22 XG compared to our 0.42. That's a shellacking. And it didn't feel like that. A lot of the other stats were maybe slightly more balanced. But in terms of actual chances created, that is a beating that we just took. Um, and, and really, again, just shows how inept we are on both sides of the ball. Well, I'd say this. I mean, who, which side looked the more organized? It ain't we know the, the answer, Ryan. Well, right, but you understand my point. I mean, it's like that every week. And uh, eventually, you know, you look back and say, is it purely the talent? I mean, I do think West Ham maybe has a little more talent than we do. I, I think. Maybe not. I mean, but um, certainly they were more organized and they were more purposeful. I think that's probably the most. When they came out a second uh, uh, in the second half, granted, they're up 2-0. So, I mean, it's obvious kind of how it's going to play out. But they were organized. They were tough to break down in the final third, too. Their back three, I thought, played pretty well in the second half. Ogbonna played shockingly good. I don't think he's that good. Zuma was okay. And they were tough to break down. And that's it. And the sad part is Iwobi was just roasting whoever was in front of him. Oh, my on God. On his side. That oh, my nutmeg God. Nutmeg was oh. so sick. And there was that beautiful little string pass over to Tom Davies, who set up for Ghana, who just kind of took a heavy touch. Heavy that was t- bad. And and maybe we could have banged in a goal or two there, too. But um, it's just a shame when you got the ball that long in the final third and just have no ideas. Anyway, a um, couple comments in here. I'm, I'm glad we've got to these quickly because I don't want to dwell on this match too much longer. Um, there are definitely some big decisions to make. This first one's, I think, pretty interesting. Yeah, we've got BG at BC Gross. It feels like sentimentality or indecisiveness kept Lampard in the job after the Bournemouth losses. Lack of action in the transfer window at the start of the season and in January contributed to conceding desperately needed points. The lack of action says it all, really. Gotta agree. You know, it's getting down to the getting down to the wire. We've got a little over a week left of the window. We've got big decisions on the manager. The board do not look or sound happy, obviously, and neither are the fans. Yeah, I mean, look, we know the the issues with the board. Good organizations are proactive. Good organizations probably would have sacked Frank after the Bournemouth matches, if not earlier. We have proven to be reactive and incredibly slowly reactive. The fact that we've let this drag on when it's clear that he's a dead man walking. I think we're Started talking about Frank out months ago, and yet game by game, you know, two games ago, Farhad Mashiri in the press gave him a, a public strong endorsement, which is actually typically, you know, the death blow to any Everton manager in reality. Anytime the owner has to speak out in defense of them, but um, we just we just aren't proactive. Like we should have had a list of backup managers. We should have had one this entire time, and we probably should have acted on it a long time ago. Instead, we've let this drag on, drag on, drag on. We gave him the World Cup break. We gave him most of the January window, and now we're left in an even more perilous position with much less wiggle room than we would have had. And it gets smaller every single day. Well, see, the thing is now no one's going to blame the board or whoever making the decision to fire him. And that's that's an insult to me. And by proactive, you're right. What are the objective measures by which you you manage someone's performance? And what objective measure would indicate that anything's been going in a positive direction for months? And that's that's the problem. And I still have people out there on Twitter telling me the defense isn't the issue because we haven't conceded goals. I mean, wake up, people like I mean, that, that's you've, you've got to be smarter than that. I mean, if you really want to voice an opinion, I mean, if you want to take responsibility for what's going on in your club and you want to be bored out or Moshiri out or whatever, I mean, God, pay attention a little more closely as to what's happening. Um, 
And the reality of the situation is, and no, the fans did not pick the manager, but we were left with very poor choices. But the fans stepped up and made it clear that they wanted Frank Lampard over someone like Vitor Pereira. And I laugh about that a little bit because neither neither should have been a serious candidate. So if that's the case, and you know this isn't really a serious candidate, and I don't think he necessarily did this phenomenal job getting us safe, but he did he did accomplish the goal. If you want to give him a little bit of time, that's fine. But I think the problem is if your mentality was that I'm not sure if this guy's even the right guy anyway. And that's how it should have been. You know, he hasn't necessarily been a super proven manager up to that point. We all like him and everything. He should have been on kind of a short leash anyway, I would have thought. So any sort of signs of degradation, you you know, degradation, you would think you would have been all over it. Um, but that's not how we operate, unfortunately. And it's why smart clubs will make decisions not based on goals or small statistical samples or ridiculousness like this. They, they would have better objective man, manager, you know, metrics and see this objectively and let him know he's not doing the job and i i just i don't think this team is that bad talent wise i don't no agreed and i think i think there's uh i mean the performances are no question not up to standard and we had we have a lot of comments that are of a similar sentiment starting with regular contributor always appreciate nebula 1979's contributions who said nothing different for Lampard, whose time was up weeks ago, wide open to the counter, nothing from the flank. Better after halftime, but still devoid of structure and intent. Don't want to see Cody again. Tom showed what we need in midfield. Forward running and passing through, though not the answer. And yeah, actually, just quickly on Tom Davies, I mean, we know his limitations as a player. He at least tried to put the ball forward, though he failed on a number of occasions. You could at least see he was trying to drive forward, looking to move the ball into dangerous areas. The application was there, the execution, perhaps not. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Tom Davies is not the problem this season, right? He's he's not gotten much time. It's not like he's looked, you know, strikingly good or bad, in my opinion. But, you know, the next comment was one that I really enjoyed uh, from David Taylor at DTaylor334. I felt pretty much the same way. They said, partway through the second half, I made a choice for the sake of my family to take a step back emotionally from all this. I don't know what that means, David, but please. I watched to the end, but with detachment and acceptance, it will preserve the sanity of the rest of my weekend. I tried to do the same, but then, you know, we got to record about it. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, 100%. I think that's pretty much where we're all at at the moment. Yeah, you're not even seeing people who are, I mean, there's still the irate folks, but it feels like people are just really kind of ap- leaning towards apathy at this point. And that's sad because this is such a huge part of people's lives and people are so passionate about it to see them reduced to just... I give up. I don't care. There's uh, there's nothing I can do. It's just sad. And it's true. I mean, drastic, dramatic changes need to be made to re-engage the fan base. And, you know, the actions of the board over the last few weeks in terms of throwing fans under the bus, fans are the only reason we're still in this league. Fans kept us up last year. The atmosphere at Goodison Park, I mean, I don't know what more the fans could do, but I don't blame anyone for needing to take a step back from this disaster of a train wreck of I mean, a crap show yeah they they needed to show us something i mean that's not an unreasonable request you know the board or someone to take action when it was going downhill and and literally to let it get to this point which you know it's it's untenable frank has to go i think at this point and that's the question does frank go is he gonna go because part of this is it's kind of like to the points above like nothing's really changing here in performance why why would you let the guy go now um but there was a quote, and I, I want to understand the context of this. I think one of you guys maybe saw it. I, I don't know if it's on video or like Farhad makes a comment on Frank Lampard's future that is bizarre to me. Yeah, so the context is Sky Sports basically tries to accost the board as they're getting in their private cars to to part the match. And uh, they first go to Bill Kenwright and kind of ask, hey, Bill, what, you know, what's what's going on? I think they ask him if Frank's time is up and he says some stuff. Bad times. We need to start winning, don't we? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. Really insightful, strong leadership there. But then they go to Farhad Moshiri um, and basically ask him, what's what's up with Frank? Is Frank's time up? And he says, I can't comment. It's not my decision. Very interesting from Farhad, who just as recently as the other week was saying that it's the fans, been the fans' decisions to sack managers. Now he's saying it's not his decision. So does this mean that Farhad has now delegated the major managerial decisions to someone else on the board. Um, you know, the hope would be that it's Kevin Thelwell. Please be Kevin Thelwell, but it's not, you know, he doesn't specify. So if it's not him, I think the only other obvious candidate might be 
Bill Kenwright, and God help us if that's the case. Well, it can't be Kevin's job to say he's fired now. I mean, you, you, you're you operating under a guise that the manager is at equal level as the director of football. So why, he can't fire him. So are you going to ask him just for general advice? Hey, do you think we should fire the guy that's basically your equal? And, and that's the problem here. I mean, ultimately... Normally what happens is the director of football sits over the manager and sits over the head of recruitment. So the director of football knows who's really responsible. Is it tactical or is it the players? You know what I mean? And and they know who pushed for whom and how that works. And that doesn't exist. So really that falls on the president CEO or, or I guess the chairman because he's so involved in the day-to-day. That's my take of this. That, that's absolutely what I think is happening here. I think Farhad is saying, okay, Bill, you're so insistent, uh, insistent on wanting Bobby Brown shoes and Moyes or whoever else that you wanted last time you're up your chance you point the manager knowing that all the protests are about him i mean they're they're calls and cries to farhad i mean everyone knows that farhad's ultimately responsible for all this but i think that's exactly what he's doing i mean notice they didn't sit next to each other either that was kind of weird right i mean didn't that seem i don't know it all seems very strange to me at this point i mean it's got to be it's always been farhad's decision so i hope though if the firing does happen there's no way that could be Thelwell's decision that would be absurd I hope they look to Kevin to recommend at least the replacement, and then that person can come in under him, and we could have a proper footballing structure. I mean, it's way too late to make that decision, but that would be nice. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, if if Thelwell, whether Thelwell gets to make the decision about you know who to hire next or you know whatever tongue and cheek comment we want to make about it, I guarantee you. He at least has done his homework. He probably does have a short list, right? Um, there's no way that he wouldn't, even if you know he does not get the opportunity or the final call. It is kind of ironic um, for Moshiri to say that and suggest, you know, Felwell did not get to pick this guy, but he also doesn't get to choose when he goes, even though you know he is the quote unquote director of football. But you know, I thought uh, I thought we had a good comment from Richmond Evertonians that said utter disgrace, incompetence of the board and owner on full display. By not cutting Frank loose before Southampton and West Ham matches now makes the task infinitely more difficult. Um, pretty much in line with what most are saying. Have to agree. And then we had uh, Toffees in Chains who said, put, a, put together a nice comprehensive list here. One, the board sucks. Two, Lampard still can't manage. Three, the two aren't mutually exclusive. Four, I can't believe this guy is still employed. Five, F off everybody. Y- you skipped Formby Blue, though. Oh, come on. And then Formby Blue in response to this said, how the sweet baby Jesus are people still thinking Frank should stay in a job? So one thing I want to bring up, though, can you Frank? Frank just looked like it was over. He made those subs at half. He didn't make another sub in the second half. Like, I mean, mean, clearly you've given up. I mean, you seriously can't throw on anyone else. Um, It was very obvious tactically that we weren't getting enough people in the box. It was basically Dominic Calvert-Lewin going to the far post. And sadly, in this one opportunity where we actually had the ball and had control of the match, this is the one time Neil Pope would probably be pretty effective and you didn't bring him on. I mean, that's the guy that you want moving in the box and getting free and getting open to make space and create chances that's like his absolute gift and and um and i'm sorry i mean frank signed off on him and i still think he's a decent footballer and i I just cannot believe he didn't make single i mean can you i just that is shocking to me yeah it's it's i mean there's a lot of shocking things you could or there's a lot of situations at everton you could describe as shocking at the moment i mean not least of which is how frank is still in a job and like the people who still want to say we've got to stick by him the manager's not the problem well it's true that maybe we were a little quick to fire managers in the recent past you could definitely make that argument but at the same time sticking with any manager arbitrarily just so you have the longevity doesn't solve a lot of problems if it's the wrong guy it's the dumbest theory it's so dumb it's like we can't keep sacking managers well you can't keep appointing the wrong ones so yes you need to I, I don't know if any I don't know if anybody heard, but 20th place in the Premier League is still worth over 100 million British pounds in TV money. So clearly there are there are things that are more important than sentiment. Unbelievable. And so, I mean, this begs to ask the big question here, right? Is this salvageable? Because I see a lot of people that just have no hope out there. But I, I have a feeling a lot of the people that are resigned to no hope, other than just the general malaise and getting beatdowns every week. Are the people that think like, well, Frank was our last hope, which I think is absolutely absurd, personally. Um, but look, that is sentiment. Someone's got to do something. They got to make a decision. Nick Weinstein doesn't think there's any hope. Yeah, Nick said, uh, point blank is instant match reaction. We aren't getting out of this. We then had Ryan at RPM 164. 
think we're done for, but if Leeds, Wolves, and West Ham get any kind of form, we'll be gone with games to spare. And then Graham McVeigh, any of bottom seven, if make use of next two weeks, but high risk stakes given this long. And that's a great point because, I mean, those guys have been strengthening, all of them. They've strengthened at the managerial position. They've strengthened in their teams. Um, you know, and, and so if they continue to do that up through the deadline, I mean, we're not going to catch them from a talent standpoint. Um, but you know, it's funny. I just keep hearing about attacking players too. And, and I like this one because this begs the question, which I don't know what's going on with our fullbacks. Um, Everton Hong Kong says we could do with some quality wingbacks also need more energy and passion 10 minutes to go. And most of the players were stood still and passing it around like it was a training session. Who is going to get this lot fighting and playing to the very strengths, depressing? And then I have to ask this question. Why is Ruben Vinagre here? Right. NTX Clue 1878 again with, if he is that bad, why haven't they canceled the loan? Feels like a disagreement between the director of football and manager. And that's it to me. And and we know Thelwell has a history of Vinagre, loves his attitude. He was there at Wolves. I get that. I mean, is that a disconnect there too? McNeil finally came in, but didn't start. Mope sitting on the bench. That was someone that was brought in. Granted, I still think that was a good deal and a good player, but you're not using him. So where is the disconnect? I could tell you recruitment knows that Wobie's the left side of player. What's going on there? And I don't think any, I mean, recruitment also knows Onana is an eight that can play the six. That's what he said. That's what the scouts have said. And they all know that everyone knows that who's watched him. That's not how he's being used either. So what's going on? There's a disconnect in my opinion with how I think guys should be used, which I think is very obvious to any talent scout and how they're being deployed. And I think that is fundamentally the biggest issue here Um, in terms of the current squad. I mean, they need more talent though. Um, so let's get to the rumor mill first, because there's a lot of players possibly moving in and out here. I, I want to say that I was wrong in what I was saying earlier about loans. Um, I thought it was a limit of four total that could be registered. Um, that's incorrect. It could be six with four international loans and two domestic. Two domestics never been arguable. We know that's been kind of the big limit. I didn't know that. That's my fault. I screwed it up. And and the saddest part about it is I literally asked um, someone I know very well that works at a Premier League club, and we had this exact conversation. I'll get into more details later, like off the air with you guys, but it's unbelievable how many times I've had this very discussion and I just blanked out. I blamed it on, I think, NyQuil at the time, but um, yeah, but it's wrong. But the point is there's some, there's some options here. If we go, we have one domestic and one international. The big one that's rumored is, is Dan Juma coming in. Uh, Medical seems like it got finished today. I think he's an interesting player. I think he's going to have an impact. Uh, He's going to help us. This is, I mean, certainly it would have been a help today, right? I mean, how do we not get this done? It's so frustrating. I don't know what your guys' initial thoughts are. I've watched this guys a lot. A lot. I'll get into some details in a second, but your initial impressions would be good as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's going to be a good pickup. It's it's unfortunate that it's it's unfortunate that it's only a loan and not you know any sort of option attached to it. But I think we can work through that. I, there was actually a really funny comment from at or at the toe thumb who said tongue in cheek just heard as well that Tanjuma had his fingers crossed during the medical. So it didn't count typical. Wouldn't surprise me if you watched that match today and was like, what have I done? But I mean, he, he knows the situation at Everton. The rumors are that Bournemouth offered him more money and that he still chose to come to the toffees. So credit to him. I had a tweet yesterday. Like if you're watching Everton and staying up to date on what's happening over the, with the club over the last couple of weeks, and you're still like, I want to go here. God bless you. And please come save us, Dan Juma. I'm excited about the signing. I think it's an area of need. He seems to provide a lot of things we're lacking in terms of power and pace from the wide areas. Um, And I think he slots straight into our first 11 and hopefully can make an instant impact because, boy, do we need it. He's a good character. Like, he sounds very interesting when he talked, you know, why he made the move to Villarreal. He he made it because he liked the manager, Emery, at the time. And and in terms of being able to be coached up, he had bigger offers, that type of thing. I mean, he, he sounds like a guy that's a little bit different. Um, yeah, I think he's an immediate impact type player. He, he is different. He can play center forward too, but I think his best, best work is done at kind of a left wing. Um, yeah, I, so I had someone compare him to gray the other day, and there's only one similarity in the fact that when he gets the ball wide, sometimes he does sit on the ball and dwell on it, but it's a totally different thing. He's got his head up the whole time. The one thing I love about him, first of all, I could score both feet. He's big and strong and fast. 
And he doesn't look that fast, though. That's kind of the funny thing. But his first step is absolutely lightning. So it gets the ball, and he'll just freeze guys. Guys are terrified to go at him. It's very funny because he can go both to the right and to the left. And the thing is, if he doesn't beat you clean, his first step is so fast. Even if he doesn't beat you clean and you guess right, he can swat you away. He goes left really well, even though he's right-footed. Um, and, I mean, like I said, first step, he'll go totally blow by a guy, and he's got his head up the whole time. The one thing I like best about him is he doesn't force the dribble. He's not blind. He's smart. Uh, his off-the-ball movement is maybe a little predictable. He loves running in behind. So if he's playing center forward, you see a lot of straight runs or direct vertical runs. Not a lot of variation there, but it can be effective because he you know, gives one little fake. He's like a one-cut running back in the NFL. You know what I mean? He's not juking out like crazy when he's off the ball. It's one move, and then he's gone. Uh, I, I'd like to see a little more defensive effort of him, really. You know, I don't think that's necessarily his strong suit, um, but he does have some engagements. His underlying numbers indicate that he's more effective defensively, but he's the type of player that we've needed a long time. You know, Premier League teams don't carry a lot of center forwards because they have guys like this who can play both the wing and center forward. Um, I think he's an immediate starter at left wing for us, almost no matter how we play. Uh, he plays the second striker. I think he's really good. He can score. There's no question about it. And and um, would have loved to have him today. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess in terms of just like the the structure of the deal, it is in fact rumored to be a straight loan, no option to buy. I know Ryan, you've kind of said that's fine, and I don't know. I I, I just don't you think we a can snake really... celebration. By the way, I forgot to do that. Oh yeah, that, that's good. I, I just don't think we can really afford to be thinking too long term. I think a short term loan is exactly utilize the loans for what they are. A short term move, you can get a feel for a player, and then if at the end it works out and he plays well, then okay, great. If it doesn't, then we can send him back. And if it goes well, we can obviously negotiate with Villarreal at that point. Yeah, and he's not 20 here. You know, it's not like there, right. we have rumors of um, Suleiman at um, Rennes, you know, for example, which is a guy, by the way, we were very interested in getting when both him and Kudis at Norgelin. Like, we were both very interested in both those players, and I think we maintain good relationships with them. Um, that's a younger player, you know, someone that maybe still has a big upside, could come in and make somewhat of an impact, not like this guy, uh, but that's the one you really want the option to buy if you can get it. Because if he comes in and blows up, he's suddenly a you know $30, $40 million player. Um, so I get that. I have a feeling Villarreal wanted big money on the option, kind of like it was rumored that they did a, when we were looking at Chuck Weezy and didn't happen. That's my guess. Um, there are some out rumors, though, that are pretty interesting, I think. Um, I'm not sure what to make. Of them, I think the last in rumor is the Musa Dembele rumor. But from what I heard about him, the whole entire window is his agent wants big fees. And I think he's hesitant to move. I think he'd rather go in the summer, sign a free agent deal. His agent would recoup a big signing bonus and he'd get a big, a big wage. Um, if you look at the way he's moved around over the years, I think it kind of implies a little bit of that too. So um, that's just what the scuttlebutt is uh, for what I know. So I'd be a little surprised if we got that one done personally. Um, but Dan Juma can play both. But in the rumors of the outs, I mean, the first one is really strange. I think this is a really odd rumor. Yeah, it's Michael Keane to Salernitana um, in Serie A. You know, he was not he was not on the bench this week um, or today specifically. So that's interesting. Um, along with Ducore also, he hasn't featured pretty much at all this season. He's been rumored away, you know, the summer, even maybe the year past, um, if we're going to be completely honest. So it's about time for him in terms of Everton, but it is an interesting spot to land, I think in general, but Hey, I mean, you know, there could be a worse place to go than uh, Italy. I mean, I happen to have watched them last week um play against atalanta because At atalanta is just the most awesome team to watch ever like if you have not watched gasparini's teams like you've got it's so great i mean they pounded them eight to two lookman <sighs> was unbelievable again he's been so dynamic attacking him and boga were just dribbling i know i know james is just hanging his head um, we got a good deal for him though i mean that's not the worst business we've done no i know well low bar eight to there. two eight to two um and you could tell, man, they could use some defensive help. So, so um, I suppose it's possible. Again, now this is a new era client, though. And we've talked about this. Holgate, Godfrey, and Michael Keane. And I think we're confident that there's a relationship with the member at the board that has secured these guys. Uh, remember, we had Gabriel done, and then suddenly there was no money. And then magically there was money. And what did we move immediately to get in? Ben Godfrey at a price that I didn't think was very good. So I would be, it would be a big impact, I think a very positive direction, if one of the new era guys moved. That, to me, might signal a little bit of a change in power structure at the club. 
But I mean, who knows if this one's going through? I mean, I, it would be very surprising. I mean, you got to think Michael Keane is just desperate to start getting minutes again. He's barely played the season, as Alex said, for really seemingly no good reason, uh, because our defense has been absolutely abysmal. And Frank persists with the same guys week in, week out, with the exception of like the healthy guys coming back. Clearly, Frank doesn't care for him. <clears throat> I would have given him a go over Cody a long time ago just to see what he can do. I mean, he was, you know, very inconsistent over his years at Everton, but the highs were pretty good. I mean, he was definitely decent in certain situations and setups, but he ultimately doesn't fit. I think how Frank wants to play though. Again, current personnel may not either. Decore also an interesting omission from the bench today. Seems like he potentially is out. I haven't heard any additional rumors besides those kind of tentative links to Fulham earlier on in the month, but another one that I think could very clearly contribute and help this team that is not able to even get in the 11. A bit ridiculous. His contract is technically up at the end of the year, but we do have a club option for an additional one. Seems likely that he may also depart. The other, the other one too, and this is a question mark, is Tom Davies, he's out of contract. Uh, he's out of contract soon. You know, recently he was linked with Rangers. I know their manager made like a nice comment about him and then confirmed, you know, he's not going to come here. I thought that could have been a pretty interesting and fun move for him. But otherwise, I think uh, I'll let Ryan bring in the big uh, out rumor to finish it off. Well, there's some comment like he liked something on was it Instagram when someone what someone explained that. Can we talk to me? about this? Like the the I, I'm so. <laughs> irritated and like i get like just every minute move a player makes on social media half of these guys probably don't even manage their own accounts like a guy liked a story on instagram and for some reason it's got people up in arms like saying oh drive him drive him to newcastle oh, myself i had a good one the other day i gotta share this one with you i totally forgot about it someone pointed out to me i had no idea so i made some comment or tweet about jose bordelas the other day his his son i think liked it <laughs> It's just so funny. Like it was like two likes. It wasn't even a good tweet. It said nothing interesting other than he should be a candidate of some sort. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, this one I don't get it. Like, well, how is liking something? And I don't do people. And I guess people interpret this as they that he liked the fact that he was leaving Everton, which I, that's a stretch, don't we think? I mean, you guess it, it, at this point in the modern age, you hear so little that is not just so uh, whitewashed from players. Everything, every media appearance they make, it seems very scripted. They don't really say anything super insightful. So. It feels like a lot of times you only get these moments of kind of true expression from the players via social media. So it makes people read into it way, way too much. And I think that's the case here, though. I wouldn't, you know, given the, the situation at Everton and you're looking at a potential move to Newcastle who are flying, I wouldn't necessarily blame him for wanting to go there, even though he has, of course, been with Everton for so long. Um, all that pressure. It seems like they would be able to give him more of a runway to develop, wouldn't throw him in way over his head like he has been here. Um, but the question comes down to, it seems like they're willing to make an approach. Multiple people reporting that, including the Daily Mail. No clear uh, articulation of what the fee would be, but I know we turned down some pretty high fees for him in the summer. And the rumors are that we'd be more open to doing business in the month of January. So your guys' thoughts on a potential Gordon departure? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, based on what he put up um, this season and, and even last season, realistically, I'm I'm fine with it. You also think too you're taking a gamble because <clears throat> if you do get relegated at the end of the season, then you know you may very well lose a lot of leverage you have on some of these players and, and keeping them at the club too. And especially because of the wages, I doubt a lot of these contracts have you know relegation clauses in them. I'm not sure if we were smart enough to do that. So I would uh, I would be concerned. You know, you've got to weigh your options. But currently, he's not he's not contributing anything. Um, it's clear he's got you know some issues going on and. May as well, uh, you know, free up the money if we can. I mean, Newcastle need help here. I mean, they're tied in the fourth spot with what United on 39 points, but there's some guys that aren't too far behind them. I think they're tied right now with Palace um, in, the, in the match today. I mean, you look at their bench, they've got headband and they've got, you know, Matt Ritchie. I mean, Isaac's not even playing up top for them. He, Callum Wilson is. But, you know, Gordon doesn't really fiddle in for those guys. I mean, Keogh is more of an outside back. Um, Jacob Murphy. I mean, it's not a good bench. Um, and I mean, the way Eddie Howe maybe wants to play, that might make a little sense for him. But I, I just don't get it personally. I don't understand what people are really seeing in the player. I saw a rumor of 40 million pounds. I don't see any way that that's conceivably possible. But look, I mean, I said 25 million pounds in the summer and I would have done it. Um, and he, maybe that comes back to burn us. But I think, James, your kind of point was in the summer. It's like, well, how much better could he get? And what would that fee really look downstream if he really 
really took off because I do think there's some things that he doesn't do well that I can't imagine him ever really doing all that well. I mean, it's the kind of close control and tricks to kind of create a little bit of space in tight to get ready to be able to release the ball with that right foot. You know what I mean? To become dangerous. Otherwise, he needs open space because he just uses his pace to beat people. And if that's all you've got, eventually maybe he'll start getting his head up and his delivery will get better. I could see that happening, but I just I don't see how he's going to be an effective player in a in a better team that has the ball more. Um, And maybe I'm wrong, but uh, it will take him a little bit of time to get better. And what's the loss there? He becomes a 50 million dollar player many years from now. So sell him for 25. Get your sell on clause. Take a little bit of that and. Perhaps you can use that money to save us now. I mean, that's worth a heck of a lot more, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. Yeah, I said anywhere. I, I put out a tweet yesterday. And part of me is like, sell him. Let's do it. Let's just take the money and run. Absolutely. And part of me is like, well, what's Dan Ashworth know that that we don't? But um, I do think anywhere between 20 and 25 with either performance add-ons or a sell-on clause or both, happy to do that business at this moment in time. He's offering offering absolutely nothing to this side. And that money, you could buy a very quality one or two pieces that genuinely help move us up the table or at least start putting some points on the board. Yeah, go buy another young player that's better now uh, or that's a better fit. I mean, again, it depends on who the manager is. And I don't want to keep buying for managers. It's a terrible way to operate. But when we're looking at loans, you kind of have to do that. Um, yeah, look, I'm sorry. He's not a very good Premier League player right now. People get mad when I say that, but it's true. And so you got to make some decisions. I don't want to kill our future, but I mean, you can always buy young players. I don't see that this is, and who's to say Lewis Dobbins not going to come back and be almost as much potential. I mean, I, you know, people are like, no, that's ridiculous. No, it's not really. If you remember two years ago, Gordon did not look good in the championship. He was pretty poor and I wouldn't say produced a whole lot last year. I mean, I have people saying that he carried us to safety last year. Anthony Gordon. He wasn't even playing when we were winning winning early with Rafa. So something's got to change for sure. It would be love to get a sale, but I I, I don't see who else the sale would be. Um, I don't know. There's a lot that can happen, but I tell you right now is if the board are going to chicken out and make the manager decision now, they better do it like literally in the next hour or two. And we've got to get someone in. We've got to break until the next match. They have to get in now, put in their tactics, and get players in the door. Uh, Dan Juma will not be just enough. We need more than that. Um, it's not impossible. Thankfully, the distance from a point standpoint is not that crazy. Takes a couple wins, but the next couple matches are pretty daunting too. Yeah. I mean, with the timing again, the transfer window closing in just a little over a week. Um, the end of the season has gotten that much harder. The decisions to make have gotten that much harder. And we did this last um, year. Recruitment. Like, right. I like mean, we, yeah, we didn't it's, move it's on Rafa until after the easy games were over. Like, right. you it's, had this window the same story. where you had to perform. Like, this was your opportunity. You're playing all these other teams at the low end of the table. And you stick with the guy and he had the same performances. It's just the luck is running out, folks. This is just regression to the mean. That's all this is. It's not been good all year. I mean, there was a little bit of a spurt where it was decent, where we had a functioning midfield when Wobi was left. Ghana was deeper and Onana was kind of deeper, but over to the right. And that worked for a little bit. And then after the born, uh, after the Southampton match, we changed. Why? I don't know. Time is indeed running out, if not completely up to make a decision. I would be shocked if Frank Lampard still has a really still has a job by the time people are listening to this more than likely because we're recording in the afternoon on Saturday. I, I, you I have, have to go, right? I mean, you have to yeah, make this move. It has don't you? to be done. Has to be done. Should have been done a long time ago, but um, better late than never, as they say. And hopefully that's the case for Everton now. And we can start to reverse course because this is headed to rock bottom. And I don't see us really getting out of the bottom of the table, um, literally rock bottom for the remainder of the season, the longer we let Frank stay in a job. So um, on that note, I think we're going to wrap things up unless we have any final thoughts. So thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the American Toffee podcast. We certainly enjoyed recording it and venting our frustrations. Frank out. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Follow us on social media and join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Links in the description. Check it out. Until next time, sack the board and up the toffees. <laughs>